Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen of America, if you're wondering, is this the Oprah Winfrey show? I'll guarantee you it's not. Oprah Winfrey, we've been dealing with the two faces of Oprah Winfrey and the things that we have dealt with in regards to Oprah Winfrey. The silence that has happened in regards to folks that are dealing with injustice. I'll tell you right now that the folks that are dealing with that injustice, I'll tell you what, you're going to find out tonight. Again, part two, the two faces of Oprah Winfrey. Where does she go in the time of crisis with those of her peers? Those many times that are not guilty of an injustice, but have suffered injustice by the system. Folks, this is AJC Radio, the faces of Oprah Winfrey, and going silent in the time of crisis. Folks, hang on. This is AJC Radio. We take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Kendrick Barnes, Cliff Stewart, Samson Riddle, William Williams, and Dennis Merritt, and the entire AJC radio team tonight. Is Folks, I'll tell you right now, if we're looking for voices in this hour of constant injustice, constant uh, things going on that are simply just not right. How is it that those with the largest platforms in our nation have gone silent? Oprah Winfrey being one of many, and we're going to deal with that tonight. As this series continues, we will also be addressing those and showing honor to those in the next couple of weeks of those that are out here in Hollywood in the entertainment industry that are really making their voices heard, Kim Kardashian being one of them, uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z doing some things as far as reform. Uh, The list goes on and on, and and we're going to be dealing with that as well. But tonight we have to focus. Uh, And you're going to hear a complete contradiction of Miss Oprah Winfrey dealing with Michael Jackson, uh, the injustice. And let me remind you as we get into that story Michael Jackson was not convicted of a crime. And yet, Miss Winfrey, for doing what she said a week ago, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that we uh, brought to your attention a week ago, that she went with the voice of public opinion in the Central Park 5K. Uh, They called her an opportunist or someone with a change of heart. Uh, She's not a change of heart. It is about wherever I can place my name, the name of Own, the name of Oprah, and Winfrey, anywhere to cash in, and that's just not going to get it. Dennis, what are your thoughts as we get ready uh, to continue this series? Again, uh, you know, as you were talking, someone with that uh, type of platform, you would think would really be reaching out uh, to those that are less fortunate and those that have, uh, you know, uh, got caught up in this justice system and have been wrongfully uh, either convicted or imprisoned or uh, whatever, but as you can see, uh, it's not about that. Uh, it's about a dollar. Now, if there's a means, if there's a way, uh, once somebody do get uh, exonerated, 
like we were talking about the Central Park Five, then that, there's an opportunity. I could take that opportunity, show America that I, I'm, I'm happy for them, and, and throw my little money in the movie and uh, make you think that I'm really concerned uh, about, you know, the people. And it's not about that. It's about a dollar. And, again, it, it saddens me when we have someone with such a voice and yet it's silent. Samson, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of concur with Dennis here, and I, I can't wait to get into, you know, the whole conversation and the articles and the interviews that, and just the statistics of things of, you know, of what Oprah's got, had going on for like 30 years now and the things that she could have done, things that she should have done, and things that she just lacked, you know, doing. She didn't have the fortitude to step out. She forgot where she came from. She forgot who supported her back when, in the, you know, the early and mid-80s when she was not a popular you know, TV show host and everything else like that. And suddenly she started, you know, gaining popularity. She got this huge platform. Now she's got her own magazine, her own network and stuff like that. And here she is, you know, like we've said time and again, she's playing to the almighty dollar. She's playing to whoever is going to pay her the most money. She's not really out there for the American public. She's not out there for people that are less fortunate. She's definitely not out there for people that have been wrongfully accused and need somebody in a position of influence to sit there and get their story out there and get the truth out there because I guarantee you when we were talking about the Central Park Five, if those young men had got the truth out there on a national platform, there would be no need for that Netflix miniseries. But because Oprah failed to act and failed to use the influence that she has, there's just is a steamroll of this stuff that things that could have been done and didn't. Could have been done and nothing happened. And again, it goes back She's just wanting to cater to the audience. She's wanting to cater to whoever's going to pay her the most money and keep her in syndication. William, your thoughts? So, you know, so along those lines, uh, the thing that really stands out to me is the fact that coming up the way she came up, facing the adversities to, that she had to face as an African-American woman, she had to deal with glass ceilings, she had to deal with all kinds of things. Somewhere, somehow, she has to, she, it has to register that I have to give back. I have to reach out. The struggles that I went through, someone else is facing, a lot more facing. And now that I've been given this opportunity, a platform, when you see injustice, you've already faced it. You've already faced it in corporate America. You've already faced it growing up in the South. So you have a responsibility to say, you know what? I got to reach back. I got to help. I've got to do something here because you can't just like when you were there, no one reached out to you. Why don't you be the person to reach out? Why don't you be the person to reach out and say, listen, I'll be that voice. I will be a, give you a platform to tell your story. Instead of just shopping yourself around, looking for the, check, the next paycheck, so you, like you said, I can marry my name to, I can put own on, or, or you know, whatever. It, somewhere, somehow, you have to have some level of integrity and decency to say, you know what, I need to reach out. This I've been I've been blessed. I've been put in this in this situation. I'm very fortunate. Why don't I reach back? Why don't I give those who don't have a voice the opportunity? Kendrick, your thoughts? I am uh, amazed as you look into it how much uh, controversy does surround Oprah Winfrey and uh, and justice issues. Uh, I did find several articles on how uh, Oprah. Uh, contributed $500,000 to the Parkland shooting march but she has yet to come out publicly or to donate or advise anything to the Black Lives Matter movement 
Well, and to me, it's like you're you're picking and choosing what you choose to follow based off of your uh, uh, view of how you're going to be seen in Hollywood. She followed the donation for the Parkland shootings after George Clooney and Steven Spielberg donated the same. So it seems to me you're not really doing it for the right and the wrong or the justice of it. It's what do I look like? And do you let those that are less fortunate that don't that don't have the political clout or the fame, do you let them just go away and you don't you don't care? Both of these tragedies had involved young people losing their lives. And that should be a, a cry out for anyone who knows anything about justice. But you shouldn't just say, you know what, I'm going to support one. But not only am I not going to support the other, but I'm going to criticize it and say that they have a lack of leadership is my excuse for not supporting Well, we're going to dig into that even further uh, as we go forward on this show. Uh, we're going to address Oprah's attack on Black Lives Matter. Why is that? Is there a number of your folks that tune into your show? Are they having a negative uh, problem with Black Lives Matter? Black Lives Matter was born as a result of the injustice and the killings, the senseless killings on the street of America of African-American young men uh, and folks and minorities being killed on the street. How do you attack an organization that organized a march across this country as large as they did uh, even after the Ferguson situation and uh, all the stuff that happened in New York uh, with the gentleman, um, Eric, Gardner. Eric Gardner, getting killed uh, by officers and mocked because he couldn't breathe. Uh, this is insanity. And at the end of the day, if that's what Oprah Winfrey is about, don't waste our time. And don't start going into the field of comedy and announcing that you're considering running to be the president of the United States. You are a joke, Oprah Winfrey. And it's a disgrace to the African-American community, not only the African-American community, a lot of people of every race, color, background, follow and really follow Oprah Winfrey. And you choose to remain silent in the face of injustice. It is a disgrace. And we're going to deal with that tonight. And we're going to also deal with Gail King apologizing to the Central Park Five because she said, you know what, I was wrong. Best friends with Oprah Winfrey, is there still a reason that Oprah Winfrey refuses to apologize to the Central Park Five. This is, I'll tell you what, buckle in, folks. We take off again after the break. This is AJC Radio. The criminal justice system has a set of rights created to protect you. But do you think it's really protecting us? You had a right to remain silent. But that really means you had a right to be silent, doubted, interrogated, suspected. The color of your skin can and will be used against you in the court of law. In their hands, we're incarcerated five times more often than white people convicted for the same crimes. You have a right to attorney during questioning. In some states, 80% of criminal defendants can't even afford an attorney. So an overworked public defender controls your fate. One government employee, countless lives at stake. You had a right to be innocent until proven guilty. But somehow, about 47% of the wrongly convicted are black. And if they do prove you're guilty, they're going to write you a run-on sentence. On average, 20% longer than white defendants accused of the same crime. 
Even if you get out, you still not free. When you're an ex-con, they had a right to deny you a bank account, deny you a mortgage, deny you a job, deny your vote. And if you don't remain perfect with the smallest slip up, smallest infraction, the most honest mistake, you're going to join us, the 80% who come back to prison within five years, as I did. That's when you realize they didn't bring us here to thrive. They brought us here to build this. The plantation and the prison are actually no different. The past is the present. It ain't no coincidence. This was the plan since abolition, to keep us subjugated by creating this system. But I believe in a different set of rights. The right to stand up and be heard. The right to reform a broken justice system and build a new future. We had the right to be silent. Now it's our right to speak up. Do you understand these rights as I read them to you? We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? 
Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a lot. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, and tonight we deal with a very important topic uh, addressing the issue of Oprah Winfrey and the two faces of Oprah Winfrey. Uh, in the face of injustice, as we have started a series of why Hollywood remains silent in the face of injustice. Uh, these are one of those things that uh, not only does Oprah Winfrey do it, but countless others. Uh, but we have countless others that are actually doing something uh, in prison reform, in criminal justice, in faces and cases of injustice where people are actually speaking out, saying, look, we want to do something. I named a few of them, Kim Kardashian, Beyonce, Jay-Z, uh, Meeks Mill. All of these people have said to themselves, they have committed to saying, what can we do to help those behind the wall? And they are doing some amazing things. We're going to get into that. So. This series deals with both, both sides of this. We deal with the folks who just are mouthpieces uh, and are about making deals in the back in boardrooms, and that's fine if you want to make money, but don't put yourself or claim yourself to be an advocate and caring about people when you choose to remain silent with very, very serious controversial uh, cases and things going on. Uh, so I'll tell you right now, we're going to get into that tonight. Uh, feel free uh, if, you, if you'd like to call into the show to 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628, if you have a comment and you want to chime in in this conversation, uh, we're getting ready to get to it for sure. And uh, let me ask you, Dennis, if you're in a situation, why is it that the folks that don't even have the platform, just a local person in a town, a mom who lost her son, lost her daughter. We talk about these issues. These folks have no platform, and they'll find themselves working harder to get the word out. Why? Because it, it, it's in their heart to make a difference because of the loss and things that they have suffered. How important is, is that in this type of a, of a fight? Oh, it's very important. And, and what's sad about it, you know, when these, uh, uh, these, these, these people, when they, they, you know, they, they face it, and then they become advocates, they fight it, and, and they always, for some reason, and I guess that's, that's what everyone, you would believe that maybe if I take my, what, what I'm doing and I try to pull in, uh, you know, the celebrities or, you know, pull in somebody with a platform, seeing that mine is so small, maybe then I could reach the people I need to reach to make something happen. But what, what tends to happen is, they never get the support. You know, they reach out to the, the news anchors. They reach out to, you know, all these different people, you know, the, the basketball players. 
football players, I mean, they just, they reach out. And then they find out that, wow, these people really don't care. And they, they don't. don't. And, and it's because they have not yet had tragedy. And that's sad to say that you have to have tragedy in your life in order to become an advocate. But we got advocates out there who... who who don't haven't had tra- tragedy in their life, but yet they have such a small platform. But they take that small platform as AJC does, and they do as much as they can to get the word out there that hey, we have a problem with our justice system, and we need to get it fixed. Oh no, absolutely right. And then again, AJC Radio, uh, we're talking Blog Talk Radio, thirty million listeners across the country. Uh, of every walk of every walk of life, whether you're dealing with judges, whether you're dealing with prosecutors, whether you're dealing with just good old mom and dad at home, there has to be a voice. Yes. And I, I'm, it's, it's a disgrace. Uh, we talked about last week about Gail King apologizing. And I, and I can't emphasize that enough. Apologizing to the Central Park Five. That I'm, I was wrong. This is the best friend of Oprah Winfrey. That felt compelled enough to say, look, man, I got it wrong. And for you as a, whatever it is that you are, to not even, that's the epitome of arrogance. The epitome of it. You can't just look up and say, you know what, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. These kids were Go on Netflix and watch the Central Park Five story. It is the most horrific and tragedy that's ever hit this nation. You're talking about abuse of kids? But she gets on a soapbox, and let me be very plain when we, as we go down this road with the late Michael Jackson. This is the, this is the hypocrisy of the system. Michael Jackson was a target. That's what he was. And I'll tell you right now, I don't care what side of that argument you're on. Michael Jackson was not ever convicted of a crime. He was never convicted. So in one breath we say, well, let, let's let the system work. And then when a black person is found not guilty. Oh, there's something terribly wrong, man. What's going on? That's the response we get. It happened in the O.J. Simpson trial. Oprah Winfrey takes the time to interview Marsha Clark, which we're going to bring a piece of that to you. Not once did she invite O.J. Simpson to her show. O.J. Simpson, I don't care what you believe, was found not guilty. And my argument in that case, and again, you can believe whatever you want to believe. They said that trial, the O.J. Simpson trial, was the most divided trial of a nation on racial lines in the history of this country. And you could see it. You're going to hear that. Uh, That happened. They played that verdict at the Oprah Winfrey show. Never once do you hear Oprah take a stand. Bill Cosby, believe what you want about Mr. Cosby. We're not trying the case. 
She called Mr. Cosby. He's my best friend. He's my dear friend. You're going to hear the first interview she had with Bill Cosby on her show. But at the time of trouble, of crisis, for Mr. Cosby, where are your friends at? I pulled an article today that goes into, it says this. Here's where we say goodbye. Bill Cosby tweeted Patton Oswalt after writing that it was Cosby who inspired him to pursue a stand-up career. And he writes this, The rest of Hollywood, however, seems gripped by a strange silence. From former co-stars of the 1980s smash The Cosby Show to such Cosby pals as Oprah Winfrey and others. He called it a strange silence. Bill Cosby, regardless again, and let me be very clear, to any true victims of sexual assault, we support and stand with the victims, true victims of assault. Those that have questionable motives. As a victim of assault, there is no paycheck that fixes it. There is no monetary amount of money that fixes it. Not to true victims. Not the true victims. Let me make this point because we're getting ready to get into all of this. The lady, initial main lady in the Cosby case, came forward and said, oh my goodness, I'm a victim. I'm joining the Me Too movement, she said. She went to Bill Cosby's home on three separate occasions. She says the first time she felt uncomfortable because he gave her some type of pill and some wine. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's the case, why did I go back, not to a public place, why did I go back to Mr. Cosby's home alone in an evening? And voluntarily take the same pill, drink the same bottle of wine, twice. And on top of that, settled out of court years ago, spent Mr. Cosby's money. The record was supposed to be sealed. Where is the victim? It doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. You may or may not agree with that. That makes no sense to me. If I come to your house and you make me very uncomfortable, I'm not coming back. It's common sense. I'm not going back. So rather than put the whole story on the table, and whatever Mr. Cosby deals with, he deals with. But I'll tell you right now, that doesn't make any sense. And that case alone is what locked Mr. Cosby up. Where's Oprah Winfrey then? To America's dad. And I'll tell you like anybody else, if you're guilty of messing with children, if you're guilty of doing things that harm society and our kids and our women, you must answer for that. But you better have your facts lined up and you better have it 100% sure before you do a man, any man. Vice versa, if women are, are men are victims of women, abuse or whatever it is, you need to have the facts straight. And don't get quiet when we bring up these issues 
you have a right to raise that question. Why? The question is, young lady, why did you go back? A third time you went back. Not, and, th- and that's why he said here, when Bill Cosby began to face these allegations, Hollywood seemed gripped by a strange silence. A strange silence. Michael Jackson, the most loved entertainer in, in American history. Everybody's his friend. Brooke Shields, one of Michael's best friends. I could not find her during the trial of Mr. Jackson. Where were you, Miss Shields? But you want to go on all these talk shows of how much you love Michael. To every entertainer that was in the Grammys or the American Music Awards and performed with Michael Jackson, where were you? This is a disgrace. Because if the truth if, is the truth of the matter that we always want to cling to, if a black man gets convicted, well, that's our system and it works. But if he gets found not guilty, we have a travesty on our hands, according to white America. Not all whites. This is so horrible. Really? How about celebrating the fact that this man was found not guilty and the the accusers that came on a stand to testify against Michael Jackson, they were impeached. The son starts telling things his mom told him to say. It's a fact. It's a public record. But where are the voices? And you think the guy that's not Michael Jackson or a celebrity... Feels like he has any support from anybody. And they call that friendship. Oprah Winfrey has many faces. She should be ashamed of herself. But when it came to making the big duck, big bucks, oh, these are the people she brought on her show. You bring Marcia Clark, the prosecution, for the O.J. Simpson trial, and O.J. Simpson is never interviewed. You know why? I may lose some money here along the way. If I let OJ speak out, it's a disgrace. This is Agency Radio. On the other side of the break, we're bringing back the interview that Oprah gives not only to Michael Jackson back in 1993, but the extreme difference of the other interview about Michael Jackson. You want to know about the faces of Oprah Winfrey? In the face of injustice, it is clear she has many faces, and thus they come down to one thing, the mighty dollar. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things. With a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. 
And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff? But he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. Don't add her to the chain. It was just a joke. We're not friends. Why are you talking to me? You started it. It's so gross. Lame. Loser. Weirdo. I've said and done things before that I'm not proud of. Just as I've been hurt by others. The thing is, this, this is not who I am. And it's definitely not who I want to be. I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to spread gossip. I don't want to be a body shaver. I don't want to exclude anyone. I don't want to make anyone feel lonely. Left out. Hurt. to be more. We can create a kinder world. It's not that hard. We just need to stop. Take a moment and consider others before we speak. And before we act. Be more. Be more. Be more. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can have value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. Tonight, dealing with a topic that we may make a few folks irritated, may not agree, but we're going to make the argument nevertheless, is where are the voices of some? 
Hollywood folks, celebrities that have a platform to speak against injustice. Tonight, we focus again on Oprah Winfrey. They say she's America's talk show lady. She has failed on the platform that she has to speak out against wrong and do that which is politically convenient in any situation. Everybody knows about the huge controversy that came out when Oprah Winfrey was really dishonoring Michael Jackson because he couldn't speak for himself. You know why? He was already dead. How do you attack and listen to accusations against a man that cannot speak to defend himself? Tonight, right now, we're going to show you both contradictions. We're going to show you the interview. I'll let you hear the interview in 1993 with Oprah and Michael Jackson. I want you to listen very carefully. But first, we're going to play her comments, her arrogance that I saw doing this brief news report on her interviews at Neverland. We'll play that first, and then we're going to go straight into her interview, 1993. Let's roll the clip. Now, night two of Leaving Neverland aired last night, the documentary where two men accused Michael Jackson of sexual abuse. John Legend was on Power 106 yesterday and reacted to the first part of the doc. Did you watch the Michael Jackson Leaving Neverland documentary last night on HBO? Part two tonight. We watched the first half, yeah. What do you think, man? Does that change your opinion on Michael Jackson? It was hard to watch, bro. Yeah, I know, I know. But do you believe those guys? I don't see any reason not to believe them, honestly. I don't see any reason not to. I mean, it was disgusting. Just <laughs> Right after the documentary aired, Oprah presented After Neverland, where she interviewed the two accusers and the film's director. Oprah knew she was going to get a lot of backlash for interviewing the guys in front of an audience that included sexual abuse survivors. And I know people all over the world are going to be in an uproar and debating whether or not Michael Jackson did these things or not, whether these two men are lying or not lying. But for me, this moment transcends Michael Jackson. It is much bigger than any one person. The reason the idea of Michael Jackson or any major person uh, committing sexual abuse against children challenges so many people is because in every family, you have to face that some things are not the way they appear to be. And what people need to accept in their own families is that people can do good things, they can be loving and helpful, and, and also be an abuser and a person who does bad things. Both can be true. So when all the fans and the estate and all the anger, you, are, you guys are going to get it, you know that, right? We're all going to get it. I'm going to get it. We're all going to get it. We're going to get it. Yeah, so it's already started. So Jermaine Jackson, Michael's brother, has already reacted to this on Twitter, saying so many in the media, including Oprah, blindly taking Leaving Neverland at face value, shaping a narrative uninterested in facts, proof, credibility. We faced similar graphic claims in trial by media in 2005. Jury saw through it all. Trial by law proved Michael's innocence long ago. Fact. Well, there you have it. 
so we have John Legend does not have an ounce of evidence to support anything. Doesn't have an ounce of evidence. Well, there's no reason not to believe him. Well, we got a lot of reasons not to believe him. There are no facts. You have no facts. And not, not only that, the man was found innocent. Let's let's not really believe that bit of fact out there for Mr. Legend. He was found he wasn't convicted. Like you said earlier, Lamont, Michael Jackson was not convicted of anything. But here's what gets me about Oprah. What's funny? Why you're dishonoring a dead man. You got your crowd laughing, they ain't gonna like me because you're two faced. You're a hypocrite. And right now, we're gonna play the interview. Now you heard what you just heard. No evidence, no facts to support anything. And you're saying, but maybe they're an abuser no matter how good they do. What gives you the right? But it's a it's a it's a paycheck. Let's go ahead and bring everything we can against this man. And you know what? And then you pack the room with sexual abuse survivors. What response do you think you're going to get? That's insane to me. So you methodically bring sexual abuse survivors and fill them in that room. So when you begin to talk about Michael Jackson as an abuser, and you look like you're some savior of the world and a hero. You did that because you can get a standing ovation right in that room. Because that's their world. That is the sickest thing I've ever heard. Let's go to the interview now with Michael Jackson in 1993 with Oprah. And we'll get your opinion on it. Let's play it. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jackson. Yeah, your old house. Hey, hey, hey. Well, how nervous are you right now? How what? How nervous are you right now? Mm, I'm not nervous at all, actually. You really aren't? No, I never get nervous. You don't? No. No, not even for your first interview and it's live around the world? I thought you'd be a little nervous, but that's mm. great. Because if you're not nervous, I won't be nervous. <laughs> I just wanted to let the world know that uh, when we agreed to do this interview, um, you said that you would be willing to talk to me about everything, and we haven't discussed one single question that's going to be uh, asked here tonight. just wanted to make that right. Very true. Very true. When you were watching, um, I was watching you in the background there, watching the video of you in the early years. Did that bring back memories for you? <laughs> it made me giggle. Yeah. Because I haven't seen that footage in a long time. Yeah. It'll bring back memories, yes. Me and my brothers, who I love dearly. Yeah. And it's just a wonderful moment for me. Yeah. I saw you laugh when you saw yourself singing, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. James Brown, I, I think James Brown is a genius, you mm -hmm. know. When he's with the famous flame, it's just unbelievable. And I used to watch him on television. I used to get angry at the, ca the cameraman because whenever he would really start to dance, it would be on a close-up, and I couldn't see his feet. Mm -hmm. So I would throw things. I'd be angry. I said, show him, show him, so I could watch and learn. So he was a big mentor for you. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, and who else was? Jackie Wilson, who I adore as an entertainer, and, of course, music. 
Motown, yeah. the Bee Gees, who are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love great music. So when I look at those tapes of you, and heaven knows that putting this together, I think I've seen every piece of video ever done of you. And watching those tapes, when especially in the younger years, you seem to really come alive on stage. There's something going on with you when you were a little boy on stage. Were you as happy off stage as you appear to be on stage? Well, on stage for me was home. Mm-hmm. I was most comfortable and still most comfortable on stage. But once I got off stage, I was like very sad. Really? Yes. And sad from the beginning, sad since it first started, since lonely, sad, having to face with popularity and all of that. Uh, there were times when I had great times with my brothers, pillow fights and things, but I was always, used to always cry from loneliness. You did? Yes. Beginning at what age? Oh, very little. Eight, nine. When you all first became famous? Yes. So it wasn't um, what it appeared to be to the rest of the world, all of us. I remember I was a little black child, wanted to marry Jackie Jackson, your brother. <laughs> I mean, to all of us, we thought this yes. was the most wonderful thing in the world. Who, who wouldn't have wanted that life? It is wonderful. There, there is a lot of wonderment in being famous. I mean, you travel the world, and you see things, you meet people, you go places. It's, it's great. But then there's the other side, there's, uh, which I'm not complaining. It's lots of rehearsal, uh, and you have to put a lot of your time, mm-hmm. give up yourself. Do you feel, um, I talked to Suzanne to pass the other day. And Suzanne DePass worked with you all for a long time yes. at Motown and yes. really groomed you all and found the outfits for the yes. Ed Sullivan show. And Suzanne had some, had some interesting theories about your childhood. We talked about whether or not it was really lost, was it? Well, especially now, I, I come to realize, and then, I, I would do my schooling for three hours with the tutors. And right after that, you know, I'd go to the recording studio and record and I'd record for hours and hours so it was time to go to sleep so uh, it'd be nighttime and I remember uh, going to the recording studio there was a, a park across the street and I'd see all the children playing and they'd be rooting and making noise and I would cry it makes me sad that I would have to go and work instead I wanted to go to this uh, to hear what Suzanne had to say about your child sure. we're going to look at some pictures of you as a little boy okay Describe a performance. The, describe the performance that you put on. What I do? Yeah. Uh, most of my songs are fast. I mean, what do you put into it? Well, whatever I sing, that's what I really mean. Like I'm singing a song. I don't sing it if I don't mean it. Michael Jackson, he was nine years old, going on 10, and he was a little boy in in many ways, and then he'd go out on stage and be this dynamic superstar. The price it was, losing your childhood or having this kind of life. Well, you don't get to do things that other children get to do. You know, the simple things that they so much take for granted, Mm -hmm. having friends and slumber parties and buddies and just hanging out. There was none of that for me. I didn't have any friends when I was little. My brothers were my friends. Was there ever a place where, because, you know, children, you know, I remember playing games and talking to myself and 
playing with my dolls and all that. We're, we're, and I think every child needs a place to escape into a child's world, into a child's imagination. Was there ever a time you could do that? No, and that is why I think now, because I didn't have a sin, I compensate for that. Really? I mean, people wonder why I always have children around, because I, I find the thing that I never had through them. You know, Disneyland, amusement parks, uh, mm -hmm. arcade games. I adore all that stuff. Because when I was little, it was always work, work, work. From one concert to the next. If it wasn't concert, it was the recording studio. If it wasn't that, it was TV shows or interviews or picture sessions. Mm -hmm. There's always something to do. Did you feel, uh, Smokey Robinson has said this about you and so of many other people, that you were like an old soul in a little body? When I was... Well, there you have it. Michael Jackson, Oprah Winfrey, and Michael Jackson then defending the people that made attempts to make what he was doing dirty. He says, I didn't get to do this. So I basically enjoyed watching their happiness and lived my childhood through them. But nobody wanted to accept that. Oprah Winfrey now go, takes the conversation about Neverland and the children, those that had different medical uh, issues. And Oprah's own words contradict what she just said in a room full of sexually abused kids. Totally. When it comes to Michael Jackson, let's hear the clip. Is this a part of you, what we were talking about earlier, the pain of growing up and not being able to experience all the things that kids normally experience? And so now you are fulfilling all of those fantasies. You compensate, yes. Really? Yes, it's very true. Do you think you can ever really recapture it, though? Does it feel the same? I mean, I, I don't <laughs> it's know. It's more fun. Is I wouldn't really? change the past if I asked you. I'm, not. I'm enjoying myself. And here we are inside the theater. I had one too many sugar babies here the other day <laughs> at the candy counter. But the candy's here for all the kids, and Pinocchio's here, and E.T.'s here. Did you? What's fascinating to me about you is that, obviously, you have this childlike aura about you. And I see children with you, and they play with you like you are one of them. But a child did not do this. <laughs> a child did not put this together. Honestly. Yeah. This is, this is really magnificent. Well, thank you. I, I love to do things for children, and I try to imitate Jesus. And not, I'm not saying I am Jesus. I'm not saying... Yeah. I, We're clear on that. Right. I'm We're trying clear. to imitate Jesus in the fact that he said... To be like children, mm -hmm. to love children, to be as pure as children are, mm -hmm. and to make yourself as innocent and see the world through eyes of, of wonderment and, and the whole magical quality of it all. And I love that. And we have the like we'll have like a hundred ball-headed children here, but they all have cancer, mm -hmm. and they're running around and they're enjoying themselves, and it just making me cry happy tears that I was able to do that for them. Yeah. You know, it makes me so pleased inside. Well, when I came here to um, about a month ago to shoot uh, commercials with you for promoting tonight's event, one of the things that really impressed me the most, and I hope you guys are getting shots of this. I don't know how you are if all the cameras are on us, but, oh, we got other cameras, uh, is that there are built inside the walls here beds. 
beds for some of those sick children who come. And what mm -hmm. I realized when I saw that is that you have to be a person who really cares about children to build it into your architecture. Yes, yes. We have children that come who are uh, intravenously. They're, they're very sick and they're bedridden and they can't have to, sit up. Right, they can't sit up. And these beds, they're hospital beds. Mm -hmm. You push a button, they move up and they move down and they're able to watch. We have a magic show. We show the current films, if it's cartoons, anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and anything so they can escape that world of magic that they don't get a chance to experience the world that I was deprived of. Now let me ask you this. Little. You know, I believe everything happens in people's lives for a reason. Do you think that had you not missed a lot of um, the, the life and fun and um, fantasy of childhood that you would be so in touch with children today? Would you relate to them? I probably would, but not as much. That's why I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm happy with uh, the way things are and my caring for young people and everything. Are you really happy now? Because you've seemed sad for a long time. <laughs> I was sad for years and years and years, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm getting there, yes. I'm very happy. And, and what's made you happier? Being able to give back, mm -hmm. you know, and to help people build the World Foundation, which I formed, mm -hmm. which helps children and healing in the world. We're doing Heal LA, which is, uh, we have three goals in mind, immunization of children, mm -hmm. mentoring a big sister, big brother program, and education on drug abuse. And Jimmy Carter has teamed up with us to do Heal Atlanta. Uh -huh. And we're going to do go from state to state healing. You know, we've done Sarajevo. We've done lots of places. I know. We have photographs of you uh, from all over the world where you're with all of these children. Sounds like quite a different story. I hear Oprah Winfrey promoting Michael Jackson, stating that only a person that cares about children would do the things that Michael Jackson did. And again, let me reiterate this as strong as I can. Michael Jackson was never convicted of a crime. And you heard the interview where she said to those guys, well, people just have to deal with it. That somebody can do all these good things and be a monster. That wasn't what you were saying when you had Neverland building ratings, cash and paychecks. But now you have something to say. But you're silent. Oprah Winfrey, nowhere to be found with doing the trial of Michael Jackson. Nowhere. And she's sitting there like she's just this huge, nice person. You're not a nice person to do that to somebody. And you wait until the man is dead to speak about him again? You've got to be kidding me. And, and also, too, it, there was no new evidence at it. Nice. They had no proof. They're just talking. And you're taking their word for it off just hearsay. But she said before in the Central Park Five. I chose to go with the voice of public opinion because that is ratings. If I lean where the public leans, my bank account is not affected. But who you are as a person is damaged. Well, absolutely. I mean, and to that, to that point, Lamont, I mean, I think first thing is, you know, yeah, is her popularity and the fact that, yeah, she, she is, you know, the first black woman billionaire that we've had in this in this country. She did a lot of firsts, but the fact is she really has no skin in this fight. 
if you really want to look at it, Oprah has no she has no investment in fighting for what's right. That's why she continually fights for her paycheck. Now you look at society today, you look at Hollywood, how many you name me one, maybe two people in all of Hollywood that have reached out that have took the time to build a hospital bed into their home where he's, he's you heard him in the interview hundreds over a hundred cancer-stricken children if they can't walk or move they can put them on the bed they can adjust it they can do whatever they do so he so he said they can escape the situation that they're in now, if that is not human that is not a humane person reaching out because hey you know a he didn't get to enjoy his childhood he he said that but he wants them to enjoy it what little they may have left. And now, like we said, this woman comes back again in the court of popular opinion and to make a, a, another buck and condemns the man, but he, but she fails to do it while he's still alive. It, it's, it's, it's unheard of and it's uncomprehendable to me. These are one of those, go ahead, Cliff. No, I just want to say, if you, you just follow Oprah's career path, you follow everything that she's ever done she does not get into controversial situations, especially when it comes to justice, human rights. If she is not following what the mainstream, every, what the majority of people are saying, it, she will follow that. It doesn't matter if it's right, if it's wrong, because like you said earlier, it's about getting her rating. Whatever public opinion is, that is where she leans toward. And if it comes back that she was wrong about that public opinion and the public leans a different way, she leans back that uh, toward that way. Just like with the Me Too movement came out and all of a sudden they're saying, well, does Michael Jackson, does that situation need to be, uh, we need to take another look at it. Uh, all these things that are going on. She never came back out and said, well, look, I sat down and talked to Michael Jackson, had this interview that, that, uh, that we just played. And I still hold to the fact that you have to be a person who loves children, who have compassion, who understands when they're in medical distress, what they're going through. She never came back to reiterate Michael Jackson was uh, just a person that was there for the kids. She's not going to try to fix anything that will uh, lose her one viewer on her network. Never have and never will. And the issue is uh, you didn't have a problem cashing those paychecks when Michael Jackson boosted your your uh, ratings through the roof because he's on your show. There was no problem there. Go ahead, William. No, I was going to say, you know, that's, what she's shown is a, is a pattern, a pattern of chasing the dollar so much. Now, I guarantee you she packaged that Michael Jackson video up in the promo saying, you know, wonderful, exclusive look at an interview with Michael Jackson and his never for ever, never, foreseen um never ever seen neverland ranch and all the behind the scenes i guarantee you she packaged that up that way that drives up ratings that builds up her audience okay now so now the man's died the man has died and now you you basically lay out this this show of all these victims here to your point lamont where these people these people have already been victims so they're already leaning one way or the other now you now you go on the attack of Michael Jackson, and now you're you're building off of these people's pain in the audience, and now you're smearing this man who cannot 
defend itself because he's dead at the time. I mean, look at this. This is all to drive up ratings. You don't care. You didn't care about Michael Jackson when you were standing there skinning and grinning in his face. You didn't care about that. You cared about your ratings. You didn't care about those people in the audience. You didn't care about the pain that they felt. You just cared about the fact that I can smear this man again. Well, how do you use the pain of another? How do you stack victims of sexual abuse into a room to get the applause that you want and make with, them go ahead go oh, I'm sorry without submitting facts how do you do that but make them relive that pain they relive it they relive that pain They're, you're taking them right back through it doesn't matter if it happened last year last week 10 years you're making them go through this pain and relive it and now you're bringing up a topic and an icon that's and you're putting it a bullseye around him and say, look, look here, here, here's another one. Well, but he can't defend himself. Right. He can't defend himself. But where are the parents of the cancer victims? Oprah, did you make a call to them whose kids lived out their last moments at Neverland? Because Michael Jackson took the time to say, look, I want to make your last days meaningful. Did you, did you call those parents to come to that audience that day? No, you didn't. Because you had an agenda. The point, ladies and gentlemen, that we're trying to paint here is this. This is the danger of folks remaining silent in the eyes of injustice and having every other motive in the book not to speak. But the damage you do by remaining silent makes you no better than those that distribute injustice in this nation. And if you'll do it to an icon like Michael Jackson, he was an icon to a lot of people. You didn't have to, if you listen to his music, if you're not, you had to smear his name though, and he's not here to defend himself. I don't care if it's Michael Jackson or John Doe, whoever. You chose to do that? And you have the nerve to sit on the stage with arrogance? That they come in and get me, so like I don't care. Really? But you cashed in when you could. And that's criminal. On all fronts, it's criminal. You used a vulnerable situation, but to do it to a man who cannot speak to his defense. And to me, you don't go lower than that. You don't go lower than that. On the side of the break, we're going to talk about Oprah Winfrey giving $500,000 to support of the Parkland students but did nothing to support Black Lives Matter. And no disrespect to the Parkland students, our hearts and prayers go out to them and their families for that suffering. But it was popular for you to do that. But the African-American men who were shot and killed on the streets of America Cause Black Lives Matter to come out and say, do we matter? And Oprah Winfrey, you went silent. It's a disgrace. This is AJC Radio, the two faces of Oprah Winfrey in the faces of injustice. We'll be right back. You must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him? 
what not to hit. Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Sparks. I'm Chase Crawford. Hey, what's up? It's Usher. Hi, I'm Rachel Dilson. I'm Hayden Christensen. I'm Peyton Manning. Hey, we're Fall Out Boy. I'm Dude Archuleta. I'm Corbin Blue. I'm Kristen Bell. And we're the Jonas Brothers. Do something good for your community. Reuse bags and bottles and always recycle. Help us collect a million pounds of food. Help people prepare for natural disasters. Do something about homelessness. Anyone could be a rock star in their community. So then do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Visit dosomething.org to find out how. Picture this. A 75-year-old man convicted of murder waiting for his trial to finally go through. He's been on death row for 25 years now and finds out he's been wrongfully convicted and is completely innocent. Not only does this mean that 25 years of his life have been spent in jail for no reason, but that the actual murderer could still be out there right now. The bad thing is that this exact thing happens more often than you think, but you can help stop it by supporting our campaign to abolish the death penalty. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. You can't sit here. Don't add her to the chain. It was just a joke. We're not friends. Why are you talking to me? You started it. So gross. Lame. Loser. Weirdo. I've said and done things before that I'm not proud of. Just as I've been hurt by others. The thing is, this, this is not who I am. And it's definitely not who I want to be. I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to spread gossip. I don't want to be a body shaver. I don't want to exclude anyone. I don't want to make anyone feel lonely. Left out. Hurt. We have the power to be more. We can create a kinder world. It's not that hard. We just need to stop. Take a moment and consider others before we speak. And before we act. Be more. Be more. Be more. Because I'm 16, I can't drive at night. Because I'm 16, I can't work past 10 o'clock on a school night. Because I'm 16, I can't get a cell phone contract without my parents. 
Because I'm 16, I can't get a flu shot without my mother's consent. At 16, I'm not old enough to watch an R-rated movie alone. Because I'm 16, I can't buy a lottery ticket. I can't vote. I can't drink. I can't smoke. I can't join the military. Because I'm 16, I can't sit on a jury, but I can be tried as an adult. I can get a lifetime criminal record. If I get arrested, my parents don't have to be notified. Because I'm 16, my mother had to sign this consent form so that I could participate in this video. But I can go to an adult prison. But I can go to Rikers Island. But I can be sent to Attica. My name is Michael Corriero. I was a judge for 28 years in the criminal courts of the state of New York. New York is one of only two states in the entire nation that it automatically tries children as young as 16 as adults. We need to change that. Last week, my father sent me to my room. Next week, a judge could sentence me to an adult prison. We need to judge children as children. It's time to raise the age of criminal responsibility in New York. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. Tonight, as we deal with a very important matter, what happens when those that have a platform to fight against injustice go silent? Tonight, we have focused on part two of our series of Oprah Winfrey. You may have a lot of Oprah Winfrey fans out there, but I'll tell you right now what she has done and continues to do erases all of that, in my opinion. Sonny writes on social media, Oprah, your arrogance is appalling. I used to be a huge fan of yours until this. As a victim of sexual abuse, I may not remember dates, but I still vividly remember the different locations of where the abuse took place 30 plus years after. I know everyone is different, and some abusers would have difficulty remembering. However, there are just too many inconsistencies at this point to not question these accusers. If you did some research, you would have at least acknowledged that. Not all accusers are honest, especially when there's a lot of money involved. And that is one of the lies they told you when you asked them in the interview. But instead, court transcripts showed otherwise. Imagine a world where we believe every accuser without a doubt. That is a dangerous world to live in. You know the story of Emmett Till. Please do your own research and apologize. Read the actual court transcripts. The world is waiting for your apology. You are wrong for this. Dennis, when you hear that, and again, this is not a, a consorted effort that just AJC Radio or Just Cause simply just woke up and said, let's, let's go after Oprah Winfrey. Her actions in that type of a position are going to be questioned. I am responsible as an individual for my actions. Oprah Winfrey is no different. Your thoughts when you hear that, this is a former fan of Oprah's, and he calls her out on this, doesn't even mention the fact that Michael Jackson is dead, and that you interviewed him, and you were his best friend years ago in 93, and now he's nothing to you, and you, you attack a man that cannot defend himself. What do you get from this, from this, uh, from this person? And, and this person was abused. Exactly. So this person knows what it feels like to be abused, and then... You know, to hear the stories and then to see the facts 
it it, it kind of made this person mad and it would have made me mad was wow you didn't even you didn't even you didn't even do an investigation you just took the word of the accusers as bond and you automatically said this man was guilty and you know that's sad i mean that's the problem if we if, if, if someone like that continues to 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 believe that anything somebody says i'm going to take it if it's going to make me look good forget the investigate investigation forget looking into it seeking the facts seeking the findings no i'm going to take them at at, at bomb whatever they say and i'm going to i'm, I'm going to believe the person is wrong well again this goes to the entire issue why in the face when this, I listen to me very carefully. I watched the trial of Michael Jackson. I saw him out there in his pajama pants with a jacket on. I have never seen stress to that level on a man. And they say, well, he's Michael Jackson, and they just keep kicking. They just keep kicking. My point is this. When Hollywood should speak, they're silent when they should be silent on issues that you know nothing about you decide to speak it's all messed up so who is our PR guy or woman who told you to make a complete fool of yourself to dishonor a man when he's dead I mean you need to fire your your PR person because if anybody gave you the okay, but your own arrogance wouldn't listen anyway, you're going to do it anyway. Other rights, other gentlemen, serendipity rights, expected to read that Oprah did some digging and fact-checking or research on this Michael Jackson thing, but nothing of the sort. Her convictions seem instead to be based on her own supposed experience and those of her schoolgirls. No care in the world if she has maligned an innocent man's reputation. No, not a question, nothing. And as we talked earlier, this is a pattern of abuse with Oprah Winfrey. We have O.J. Simpson. Whatever side of that coin you're on, whether he was guilty or not, how do you have a prosecutor come in your studio, you interview, and say nothing to interview O.J. Simpson? How do you do that? O.J. Simpson goes to prison later for another crime, but really the crime of what he was acquitted for they went after him anyway you don't let this man come on your show and tell his story but you let the prosecution and you wonder why you have so many faces i don't know how many masks that you have to, to put to put on as i said the two faces over Winfrey, we have far exceeded that two faces man that's the minimum this is a disgrace no, you're absolutely right, Lamont. And the, and the thing about this is that as I'm sitting here just listening to the, the dialogue here amongst the hosts is like we've we've said it already time and time again. It's a pattern of her chasing a dollar. It's a pattern of her chasing attention. It's a pattern of her chasing ratings and stuff like that. And she doesn't do this, the, the fact checking. And then, you know, like Dennis says, she takes people's word as bond. But now how many people out there across the United States are going to turn right around and say, oh, well, Oprah said this. So I'm going to believe it. 
Oprah Winfrey said this on national TV or in her magazine or somewhere, some other form of her publication. Well, she said this, so and if Oprah said it, well, then I I, I should just believe it because people aren't going to go out there, and they're not going to you know, they're not going to do their own research. I mean, we have a few here you know that have tweeted in and given their responses and stuff like that. But you look at the vast majority of the populace here in the United States, they're not going to do it. They're going to believe whatever is out there, believe the popular opinion, just like Oprah Winfrey, and they're going to roll with it. And these people are going to be again, they're going to be damned in the court of public opinion. Well, let me share this with you. Oprah's 500,000 support of the Parkland students is a raw reminder of her lack of support for black lives. Um, Oprah Winfrey recently committed a 500,000 donation for the upcoming March for Our Lives. This is uh, March of 2018. This is a year ago, uh, a little over that. Matching contributions from other celebrities, such as George Clooney, Steven Spielberg, and world-renowned luxury brand Gucci. Inspired by the recent Parkland School mass shooting, the March for Our Lives event will bring together pro-gun regulation proponents and surviving students to demanding sensible gun regulations in D.C. next month. Again, a year ago, Oprah's tweet declaring her $500,000 support for this event was met with much praise. However, her response leaves Black Lives Matter proponents feeling dismayed and ignored. We are dismayed, perhaps really confused. Because Oprah Winfrey's response to the Black Lives Matter movement and protests were far different. In a 2015 interview with People Magazine, Oprah Winfrey stated that Black Lives Matter lacks leadership and clear objectives. Her critique met its own criticism from Black Lives Matters as activists and Black Twitter graciously reminded her that each one of the protesters is a leader and reiterated clear objectives such as policies to end police brutality. Despite Black Lives Matter actually campaigning with public ads against the NRA's violent propaganda as recent as October of 2017, there have been no statements from, from, from the Arenko in Time star to suggest that her position on Black Lives Matter has changed. Oprah has made decision of racism a theme of her career. The Oprah Winfrey Show controversial skinhead interview in the 1990s financially backing of an acting in movies on race relations and anti-blackness like Selma to interviews like her 2016 Huffington Post interview with Ava DuVernay. This is how Oprah Winfrey and Ava DuVernay define Black Lives Matter. Now, this is the tragedy of a person being a producer on the Central Park Five that doesn't have the passion of Ms. DuVernay. I speak and defend Ava DuVernay. I've heard her interviews. I've seen her passion. I've seen her tear up. You don't produce a thing as big as the Central Park Five and impact a nation from nothing. This was the vision of Mr. Vernay. And I'm going to say that right now. I don't put Mr. Vernay or Oprah Winfrey in the same boat. Mr. Vernay's reputation has been about attacking how black people have been treated in this country. Civil rights. All of those things, the production of Selma. This is about getting engaged and caring. And then it raises the question, people on social media are saying, why did Oprah Winfrey jump in on this one? Because it was going somewhere. Not because her heart was there. Her actions, her statements against Black Lives Matters alone was treacherous. 
No, and you're and you're, to that point, Lamont. Like I was sitting here, like reading the the tweet that she put out there, and the bottom part of it, you know, from her one back in February 2018, it says these inspiring young people remind me of the freedom writers of the 60s, who also said we've had enough and our voices will be heard. Not just you Google you Google the freedom writers of the 60s. Those were civil rights activists that refused to give up their seats in response to like what, what Miss Parks did. But they, they just they sit there and they stood their ground. Now, you tell me how there's a difference other than the era in which they occur between the Freedom Riders and the Black Lives Matter movement. They got tired of, you know, black, black men being mistreated or killed. They got tired of injustice. They got tired of being treated as an equal. They get tired of, you know, society trying to put them under its heel. And they did something about it. What's the difference? You know, we've already talked about, you know, Trayvon Martin. Mr. Brown, there's a, there's a laundry list of them, and it's sad that in the 20th and 21st century, we still have, you know, Jim Crow going on. Let's, let's just face it. We have Jim Crow going on right now. Right. I'll tell you this. Her commentary has often been vague and insulting. Talking about Oprah Winfrey, Black Lives Matter's protest, she described it as a total chaos and dysfunction. And the consequence of ignoring hurting people. Meanwhile, when it comes to predominantly white children from a predominantly white suburb, Oprah apparently couldn't agree more with this statement. This is sick. This is sick. So you can say what you want. These are Miss Win- Oprah Winfrey's own statements, and you wonder why people went on a complete tyrant attacking Black Lives Matter. And you, as an African-American woman, could not empathize with these people? You can't even speak out about the violence in Chicago? You can't give money to those neighborhoods? But without Chicago, the Oprah Winfrey show doesn't happen. Chicago put Oprah Winfrey on the map. That's where she started. Where is your voice on CNN and NBC and ABC saying, what can I do as Oprah Winfrey to stop the killing of our people in our neighborhoods? What can I do as Oprah Winfrey to be a voice for those mothers and fathers who have buried teenage kids at the hand of police officers who are out of control, Miss Winfrey? But I do find it odd that every time she's willing to show her face and comment, she's produced that that movie and or interview. Her face is on screen for the black, even the uh, the Central Park Five. She gets an exclusive interview. Uh, Michael Jackson, the you know, so she gets an exclusive interview. It's all about her production, production money. Selma, uh, she helps produce it, but she's got the star in it. She's got a big role, so she's not going to get on CNN for anybody else. She's only going on television when production dollars come back into her purse. Then all of a sudden, she's got plenty to say. She wants to have a camera to say. And when you, go ahead, Cliff. No, I was going to say, even if you want to try to give her, if you say, okay, well, when Oprah had her talk show, yeah, you know, she was trying to get ratings, yada, yada, yada. You would think with the, the coverage that she has, the visibility, when she stopped her talk, talk show, that she would have come out to be an advocate against injustice in America on any level. What does she do? She goes like, okay, well, I'm starting the Oprah Winfrey Network. 
And to Ken's point, it's all about what did I produce? That's the only time she gets on TV. When she's done a production, you don't see her on TV saying anything about any inhumane issue. You look at these kids right now in these, in these quote-unquote concentration camps that we're called in holding facilities here in America. Where's Oprah's voice about these kids? This, this is a perfect platform with somebody with her visibility to go say, hey, I went down to the border. I checked out these facilities, and I can tell you what I saw. Since everybody knows who she is, she has what a billion listeners from her show. She could go down there and expose it for what is really going on, good, bad, or indifferent, and say this is what needs to happen, and people will listen to her. But why does she not do that? Because of the controversy of what it could do to her ratings. She says nothing. She will say, I'm telling you, she's not going to say anything unless it's getting her another dollar bill in her account. And that's a tragedy. That's a complete tragedy. And uh, this is what we have to address. Do, does somebody, and we again, we will deal with the folks, the unsung heroes, if you will, that are in Hollywood that people may not give as much credence to. Kim Kardashian puts Oprah Winfrey to shame. You know why? She's actually doing something. She is looking at people suffer behind the wall and says, you know what? Keeping up with the Kardashians, whatever show you watch, she is being becoming well-known for being a voice for those that don't have one. Say what you want. You ain't got to like her. These are the facts. And when you have the facts to back you up, Kim Kardashian, I don't remember the number of people, our research team will find us, the number of people who have been released from prison. 17 people. Because of her efforts and her, her passion. If you see her interview, she interviewed with Van Jones not too long ago. Passionate. Dead serious. To say, look, I want to do something. It doesn't affect her when she goes to bed at night, technically speaking, at face value. Kim Kardashian is successful in Hollywood. She has millions of dollars. She has millions of fans. What prompts her to say, I'll do something? I will be a voice for those that cannot have a voice. That, my friend, Miss Winfrey, you could take some, play- some pages out of Kim Kardashian's playbook. And let's not forget Colin Kaepernick. His career got ruined because he wanted to kneel in protest to police brutality. Oprah doesn't even comment on Colin Kaepernick. No, nothing. I mean, she can't even say, hey, good job or or what. No opinion whatsoever on even on a figure that Nike came out and supported. And many Americans support what he did. This man sacrificed his career. Everything. Everything. No one would try to come after uh, someone as powerful as Oprah. Her voice could persuade people to change their mind on their view on how they treat people in this country. Well, absolutely, absolutely right. Well, you know, even to that point, to go back to Kim Kardashian, to know that this is real with her, you know, they recently just published a news article about her becoming a lawyer. You know, she's actually being an apprentice in a law firm in, uh, in, uh, in California, and she wants to be a lawyer. Well, and you know that really, but it shows it's to the point. She doesn't have to do that. It's not about 
there's not a monetary benefit here. It's saying, listen, there's somebody that needs to be a voice. Now, she probably got that from her father. Her father was a lawyer. But that passion, you know, that passion to do something, to help and be a voice in this hour. And, you know, and so it really shows who she is and the commitment to it. Well, no, without question. And I tell you right now, you can't say, well, Miss Kardashian is not as busy as Oprah Winfrey. You better think again. You better think again. And she still takes the time. It is what it is, folks. You give credit where credit is due. This woman is doing something out here. I bring her up for one reason. There are people in Hollywood that say, you know what? I don't like what I'm saying. We're going to to have a show exclusively honoring them. These are people. So whenever somebody makes an excuse, like Kendrick and Cliff just alluded to, I didn't even think about it to just now. We should all see Oprah anywhere. She came on the morning talk shows when she thought, and this was the biggest joke of the year, that she may throw her hat in the ring for the presidency of the United States. We saw her then because she made this big old speech at some uh, some award ceremony. And people started filling her head. Well, maybe you could be president. Let me, I got news for you, Miss Oprah Winfrey. Don't waste your time. Because if you don't care about the plight of Americans, of the suffering, of the hurting, do you honestly think you would think about anything other than your ego being uh, inflated in the White House? That's it. Not about, oh, I want to be the American president. No, you don't. It's a joke. That's what it is. This is AJC Radio. We will not remain silent. We will speak as an advocate against this type of what I call horrible, unethical behavior by someone who decides to dance on the grave of one known as Michael Jackson. Come back, we deal with the O.J. Simpson issue. We'll address that. And she took the time to interview with Marsha Clark. Prosecution against O.J. Simpson. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. The United States houses more human beings in prisons 
than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the U.S. began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders. 30% were property violators, such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. Ten years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus, it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post-1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely, there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America. Oprah's groundbreaking 1993 primetime interview with Michael Jackson at his Neverland Ranch provided her with two of her highest-rated shows of all time. On February 10, 1993, Oprah sat down with superstar Michael Jackson for what be the most watched interview in television history. Michael, officially private entertainer, had refused to give an interview for 14 years. The unprecedented life event drew a worldwide audience of 90 million people. It was the most exciting interview I had ever done, Oprah said. Sixteen years later, Oprah reflected on an interview with Michael, which took place at his Neverland Ranch. I can tell you, and I quote, I really, really liked him, she said. 
I thought I could be his friend because I felt that he was really honest. But you turn around and dance on his grave. The question was, when we started this show a couple of Tuesdays ago, was Oprah an opportunist? Or was she truly a changed heart person? Opportunist. 90 million people. No wonder she was saying, you have to care for people, Michael. Regardless of your opinion of Michael Jackson, you can't take away the good things he did for children. You can't take it away from him. But again, I read that to let you know this is what we're talking about. And how many other people follow the example of Oprah Winfrey? How many people? Dennis, your thoughts on that? Oh, there's a lot of people. I mean, she has a lot of followers. And, uh, you know, a lot of people try to, you know, even though they might disagree, uh, they'll be silent. Uh, try to stick with, you know, how she deals with issues. But again, uh, tonight, I mean, it, it's an eye-opener. It's like, wow. I mean, you have one of the greatest, one of the biggest platforms in the world, and you do absolutely nothing with it but make money. And, and that's sad to say, you know. And then just looking at the different stories that we talked about, how it's all about the limelight. It's all about here I am. I am Oprah. It has nothing to do with anybody else. That's I mean, if you really look at it, in the sense of her as a person, she should be very sad. I mean, if that's all you got to look forward to is what you can get or who's looking at you, who's exalting you, not what you could do for somebody else, uh, that's, that's a sad place to live. Well we, well, we talked earlier about her playing upon. She'll use anybody as a pawn. Any situation that makes Oprah look like I am this and I care. The O.J. Simpson tragedy. Two lives were lost. How do you exploit that? For ratings. She's forgotten the number of 90 million people in 1993. The O.J. Simpson saga was no less of an impact on this nation. Divided right down the middle racially. Let's hear what happens when the audience reacts to the O.J. Simpson verdict on the Oprah Winfrey show. Let's play it. It is shortly before noon Chicago time and history is in the making. By the time you all see this, you will already know the O.J. verdict, but we, just like the rest of the country, are waiting to hear it live for the very first time. So you will be seeing this audience's reactions as the verdict is being read. And so we wait. Are you nervous? Yeah. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Who's nervous? Is anybody nervous? Yeah, I'm not. All right, Mrs. Robertson, would you, uh, do you have the envelope with the sealed break forms, please? Yes, All right, would you give those to Deputy Trower? Be still my heart. 
All right, Mr. Car Mr. Uh, Simpson, would you please stand and face the jury? <laughs> Mrs. Robertson. Superior Court of California, County of Los Angeles. In the matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA097211. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Nicole Brown Simpson, a human being, as charged in count one of the information. Superior Court of the State of California, County of Los Angeles, in the matter of the people of the State of California versus Orenthal James Simpson. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Ronald Lyle Goldman, a human being, as charged in count two of the information. We, along with the rest of the country, saw this verdict as you saw it, and the jury has spoken. Uh, our audience has been here most of the morning waiting to see the verdict, and lots of people, as you saw, had some pretty strong reactions. Obviously, you're very happy. I'm very happy for his family, for his children. I'm very happy. I'm also very happy. I think justice was served. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll try to let you have not everyone here is happy however not everyone here is happy i i noticed that you are not no i'm not happy i just think it's, it's just unfair everything no i feel so bad for her she's in i just feel like she's rolling over in her grave and and he got she said if he ever did it he would get away with it that's what she said and he he knows what he did, he did. we will be right back Really? Really? The... The response from Oprah Winfrey. It's your show. A true person for justice would have said it right then and there. It's her show. You know what? I agree with you. I believe justice was done for O.J. Simpson today. Right in your audience. Not going to happen. It's a disgrace. Then she turns around and interviews Marsha Clark, the prosecution. Go ahead, Simpson. And I just found this, uh, this article back in uh, June 2011. says, Oprah Winfrey wants to interview O.J. Simpson on the Oprah Winfrey Network to help put the network on the ratings map. Wow. On the condition that he promises to use the opportunity to say that he killed his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson. She goes on to say that she has a dream of O.J. Simpson confessing to her as she tells that to a crowd of cable industry suits attending the National Cable and Telecommunications Association Convention in Chicago. Are you kidding me? You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so, it shows who she is. This man's acquitted, but the argument is, let's bring the ratings. Are you kidding me? Ladies and gentlemen of America, we have gotten it right. I don't even think the number exists or the number of faces for Oprah Winfrey. We don't have enough characters. 
put the number of faces open when free has. On a condition, I admit I killed my wife. When he went through a trial and they found him not guilty. And he maintained his innocence all these years. Seems to me that whatever happened on that day, one person couldn't get it done. One person wasn't going to get that done. And the horrific tragedy, and make no mistake about it, the death of of Nicole Simpson and Ronald Goldman is a tragedy. Make no mistake as advocates, do we condone those acts? But what is, to me, equally horrific is for a woman to put an ultimatum, Miss Winfrey, Oprah, on the table that you admit to me. I take pride in the fact I can get a confession out of Mr. Simpson. Where is, where is the justice, though? Where is her sense of fairness? Now, she'll have anybody else on the show. But now, see, she'll use that and say, well, I offered OJ a chance to come on the show. You gave him an ultimatum. An ultimatum. When you come on, you come on if you say, yes, I committed the murder that I went to trial for. A jury of my so-called peers found me not guilty. But why do you want me to come on your show, Oprah? For the ratings, if I can, if you come on and say you killed your wife, my ratings skyrocket because that will be played through the annals of time. That even though O.J. Simpson was acquitted, here he is on Oprah's show saying that he did it. Where is the sense of fairness to say you come on and tell your side of the story, tell people why you feel that the verdict was correct, and all the naysayers that say that you did do it? You come tell your side of the story. No holes barred, no preconceived notion. Just come tell what you want to tell. No, you come and say that you were guilty. Otherwise, you cannot come on my show. It's well, ridiculous. Well, let's see how, if that ultimatum was given to Marsha Clark. Prosecution. Prosecutor in the O.J. Simpson trial. Let's see if that ultimatum was given. Play the clip. go through the key players in the trial. First of all, do you hate O.J. Simpson now? I never hated him to begin. 